0: Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name is Terry Barber. I'm a little under the weather like the bishop. We have something in common, but we're going to make it. Fight the good fight. Bishop Strickland, thanks again for taking the time to spend an hour to share your love for Jesus and his church. Thanks, Terry. Thank you. And I know you have a priest retreat going on, so I want to make sure everybody continues to pray for our priests and bishops and the Holy Father as a standard thing every day to do because they need our prayers, especially Bishop Strickland on the topic that one of the tweets you gave, it seems so appropriate to be praying for the clergy on a regular basis because let's face it, they're up against the world, the devil and the flesh. And if I had to answer the question, who's influencing who, it seems the world is influencing the church more than the church is influencing the world. And you gave a tweet on February 21st about Saint excuse me, doctor of the church, St. Peter Damien, you pointed out he fought corruption and sexual immorality among the clergy 1,000 years ago. And you make a little prayer. You said, Dear St. Peter, pray for the church to be renewed in purity and chastity. St. Peter, pray for all victims of abuse, and may we repent and seek reparation, atonement for all these sins. And then I'd like you to if you have it in front of you you quote St Peter Damien would you like to quote him or should I you, should I state the quote from him because I thought it was appropriate Yeah you can read it Says it okay it is not sinners but the wicked who should despair It is not the magnitude of one's crime but the contempt of God that dashes one's hopes Wow
1: yeah, um, Wow is right. I I thought that was very important because it really gets to how the mercy of God and its abundant blessing how it works. Yeah, we're all sinners, but we have to do what we can to repent of that sin, and in humility seek the mercy of God. And we hear too many voices. In the church and and certainly otherwise, that act as if mercy is just sort of a, a, a paint a coat of paint over everything. You just keep doing what you're doing and trust in God's mercy. That's not that's not our faith. No, it isn't. That isn't what Christ has promised. the The real mercy is glorious because it we acknowledge the brokenness, and the Lord brings His healing ministry. It flows from his pierced side on the cross. Blood and water are that mercy. And we've got to help people understand that real mercy is always humbly repenting of sin. Like St. Peter Damien says, it's it's not the sinner, but it's the flagrant um, one who doesn't ask forgiveness. And I think St. Peter Damien really is a saint for our time. Mm-hmm. He lived almost exactly a thousand years ago, yep. and he fought a lot of the same corruption in a few of the clergy that were in his time. As you said, we're on a, a diocesan priest retreat mm-hmm. here for the Diocese of Tyler. Good. We have about 50 priests here. What, none of us are perfect from the bishop down. We're all sinners. But I believe these men are striving to do their best to repent of their personal sin, call others away from sin, and to live the life of grace. That's what it's about. Mm. The priests were talking about having to add time to their confession times because they're overwhelmed, which is really a wonderful sign of the good work they're doing. It's hard work. It keeps them busy. But we're all sinners and we need to not ignore the sin, but to turn from it. And that's what St. Peter, Peter Damien really encouraged as we were talking before we started recording.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, we need to pray for all the ordained, for bishops, priests, and deacons, for Pope Francis, for all the cardinals, for all the archbishops and bishops, for every priest and deacon, for all of us ordained, because by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we have been ordained to be ministers of the church of Jesus Christ, the church that he established. And therefore, we're called to be a model for others. And when corruption and immorality uh, enters the clergy, Mm -hmm. it's devastating for the clergy and for everyone else. Um, As we've said so many times before, uh, Terry, the greatest... Mercy, the greatest compassion is to tell the truth. Amen. And we've got to pray for any member of the clergy, any member of the hierarchy that has turned a deaf ear to the real message of the gospel. It's not going to bring them joy. It's not going to bring them fulfillment. It may bring them something that they see as fulfillment in this world, but As we know, this life is passing very quickly, and we need to all be more aware of that. St. Peter Damien was well aware, and he lived a thousand years ago, but he spoke the truth of Christ. Like we've said many times before, the truth doesn't change. The truth is everlasting because it is Jesus Christ incarnate among us. He's the face of truth. And so the same truth that St. Peter Damien challenged popes and cardinals and bishops of his time to live, it's the same truth that we're all challenged to live. As we celebrate today the chair of St. Peter, a significant feast in the calendar of the church, February 22nd. We need to pray for Pope Francis as we pray for every pope. Every pope is a sinful man as we all are. None of them are without sin. None of them are perfect. Pope Francis needs our prayers. He's Pope in probably one of the most challenging times in church history. Uh, We're living through it with him. We need to pray for him and for all the cardinals to root out sinfulness from their own hearts, not try to change the gospel, not try to take a worldly path, but in humility, acknowledge that we're all sinners. There are powerful forces that are against the church, but there were powerful forces that thought they had eliminated the whole Jesus problem when he died on a cross. And that really turns out in our faith, Christ's death on his cross was his greatest glory because it opened him through really dying to rising from the dead and beginning the life of the church, sending forth the Holy Spirit. So it's all about supernatural faith. It's all about the salvation of souls, including every member of the clergy that has turned a deaf ear to the gospel and has just embraced a, a life in this world. They, they may be lost right now, but Christ longs for them to return to him. And we've got to pray. I feel a special calling to to pray for the priest. They need bishops that are fatherly, loving, uh, servants of their priest. And that's what I try to be. I fail all the time. I'm a sinner. But we need all bishops to pray for your bishop to be a real spiritual father to the priest. And to be strong enough to call them waste from sinfulness and into a life of greater piety, of greater chastity, of greater holiness. When we ignore the sin it's just like we were talking earlier you're the father of six children. Mm-hmm. If you ignore their sins, they're probably most of them if not all are adults now mm-hmm. but when they were children, you had to do your best to tell them what was right and what was wrong right Certainly. Are the priests that serve in the Diocese of Tyler are adult men making their own choices. But all of us are children before God, and we need to be reminded of what real virtue is. There's not, there aren't enough strong voices in the church today just reminding us, live the virtue, turn from sin, acknowledge your sin, be humble, and acknowledge that we're all sinners and that we have a need for God's mercy. Go to confession. Thankfully, our priests on retreat will have the opportunity to go to confession. Hopefully, that will be an opportunity that they take advantage of many, many times throughout their lives. We need to stay close, especially to those sacraments I like to call the sacraments of the journey, confession and the Eucharist. Confession is the best way to be reverent toward the real presence, body and blood, soul and divinity of Christ in the Eucharist. If we go to confession often, we're still sinners and we're still weak. we will be strengthened in His grace and the efficacy of receiving His body and blood, soul and divinity in communion will be that much stronger. That's what makes saints. If you read the lives of the saints that were devoted to the Eucharist, that were humbly people who humbly confess their sins, We need to pray for all the clergy of the church around the world to turn more deeply to the sacred heart of Christ and to repent of their sins. Sorry, I'm getting all Oh,
0: No, I want you to.
1: Keep going. It's something that we need to focus on with great compassion, with great mercy, with great joy, and to speak plainly. We must repent of sin, make reparation for our sins, and seek the light of Christ and his mercy.
0: Well said, when we come back from the break, I want to bring up an individual situation that we're praying for a cardinal. and you know the thing that I like about Bishop Strickland and what I say about Virgin most powerful, I'm going to tell you on the other side of this break that I think it's a balance of praying for our clergy is so important that you just mentioned. you're listening to the Bishop Strickland hour on Virgin most powerful. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. The good bishop had been chatting about praying for priests and uh, talking about St. Peter Damian, who's a doctor of the church, and how a thousand years ago um, we had a very similar situation in the church. And so today um, I would ask Bishop Strickland, if we ask St. Peter Damian to intercede for us today for the conversion of many priests and bishops, especially it uh, cards to homosexuality because um, we have a cardinal uh, now uh, who's you know he's the president of the commission of bishops conference in the european union he says he believes the current teaching on homosexuality is wrong well in in, in a very gentle way in a loving way i'm a just a layman i'm going to tell the cardinal no you're wrong you need to embrace Jesus Christ's teaching on sexual morality. That has always taught that homosexuality, active homosexuality, is against the moral teachings of Christ. And I would say you keep his name, Cardinal Jean Claude Hollerich, of Lutzenberg, uh in Germany. He's saying this, and I would publicly what I what I like about what you do, Bishop Strickland, and I know a lot of people don't like it because you speak out so boldly but i noticed you have the the one-two punch you not only uh say this is wrong if a priest or somebody says something that's contrary to the teachings of the church because you made a promise when you were ordained and when you were consecrated a bishop to uphold that but you also always say let's pray for them that they will have the eyes of faith to see their error because i'm going to be honest with you bishop strickland He's a cardinal. Here's a little guy, Terry, a little short, little bold-headed old man, saying, Cardinal, I'm going to pray that you will uh, see the light of what the church has always taught on this issue of homosexuality. Y- y- you're going into sociology, and you're saying you're putting your, your trust in men than in what God's Word says. And I know that sounds like I'm condemning him. No, I'm lovingly saying to the cardinal, I love you enough to call you back to the bark Of Peter in the sense of the church's perennial teachings. Now, Bishop Strickland, that's what gets you into trouble. And that's one of the reasons I like you because you're not afraid to lovingly call people that are objectively saying things that are contrary to the church and to the perennial teachings of the deposit of faith say, no, 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 that's not what the church teaches. I want to lovingly correct you because I love you. Now, if that's not a description of what you've been doing for the last so many years, um. Tell me, I'm wrong, but that's how I see you.
1: Well, I, I'm glad that's how you see it because that's really what it comes down to, Terry. Um, real love is sharing the truth, and I like that you bring up the cardinal, because whatever the status, and we we pay a lot of attention to status in the world, in the church, in business, in Hollywood. People have a certain status. Yeah. Before God we're all just sons and daughters. <laughs> it's true. He loves us all beyond our imagining. And we need to remember that with Cardinal Holrick. Um He's a son of God. And there's no special category that, well, if you're part of the hierarchy, then the morality issues are different. No, all of us are children of God. As, as a matter of fact, being a member of the hierarchy or a member of ordained clergy, or being a father or a mother to children, means you have an added responsibility, not just to live the truth yourself, but to share it. And so we need to pray for the cardinal, because he's not only on the wrong path for himself as a son of God, but as a cardinal, he speaks up and people listen, and he's leading people astray. There are probably many people that say, oh, well, thank goodness, we can just live our homosexual lifestyle and there's no problem because the church will just finally catch up with us. That simply isn't the truth. That isn't what the church has taught, and it's not part of the deposit of faith. It's not what scripture says. It's not what the catechism says. It's not what the magisterium has said through the ages. God is love. And real love has to be a sacrificial love that we're all challenged to. Um, I know that people that are drawn to a homosexual lifestyle, it, it can be a very challenging path. And I've talked to many that have embraced it and then have tried to pull away and it's difficult. Um, but telling people to, to continue down a path of darkness is not love. So, It comes down to the individual son or daughter of God to lovingly bring the truth to them. And really, Terry, it ties in for me. We're soon to enter into the season of Lent. And I think especially for this Lent 2022, I'm feeling a very strong call for this year, for this time, with all the turmoil in the world, the turmoil among nations, the turmoil in the church, the turmoil in families. There's just so much division and turmoil. I think people of faith, and I really want to, it's my responsibility to lead this as one shepherd in the church, but I would urge everyone to really look at this month as a time of reparation and atonement for sin. For my own personal sin, I have plenty of reparation and atonement to do for my own personal sin, but also for the sin of the world, to offer your prayers, to pray rosaries, to pray litanies, to read the scriptures, to do everything you can in your spiritual life in this coming Lent, to fast. You know, we're called to fast on Ash Wednesday and then on Good Friday, fast and abstain. There's abstinence for the Fridays of Lent. Really raise that bar. Do a little more than just the minimum required. Um, Certainly, care for your health. But most of us in—I mean, I could speak for myself. I could easily skip a few meals out of um, reparation and atonement in a spirit of fasting and prayer, and it's not going to damage my health. Certainly. Uh, People need to, we're we're sacred to God. We need to um, take care of this vessel that God has given us. But probably for a lot of us, uh, eating a little less is probably a healthy step. But certainly it is spiritually. So I really would encourage people. um, We've talked about, you know, St. Peter Damien and uh, really the terrible reports that we see don't know what's true and what isn't but both of us and too many people too many people have got left and disgust, left the church because they've seen such corruption. Um, McCarrick is not the only corruption that, that was there and we need to lovingly call every ordained minister of the church who is not living a life of chastity and morality. To, to wake up and to to change their lives for their sake and for the sake of the flock they're called to serve. Um, so the, the moral corruption has to be called out and lovingly call any minister who is not living, seeking sanctity, which we're all called to, then we've got to... Um, do everything we can to reform our lives, I'd encourage everyone to pray, especially during this Lenten season, that any clergy that are not embracing the morality, the moral standards that the church has taught for centuries, that are in the catechism, in the Word of God, deeply embedded in the the writings of St. Paul, if they're not paying attention to that, let us pray that all clergy, and really all the faithful will enter into this season of Lent as a time of reparation, a time of repentance, a time of atonement, and a time of simply acknowledging what real sin is. Certainly, the sins against morality are not the only sins, but very often, those sins, what are the seven deadly sins? Lust, greed, gluttony, wrath, sloth, envy and pride we all need to know those by heart and to pray that the holy spirit will guard us from falling any into any of the deadly sins and lust in our time is one of the most deadly greed following close behind um and really all the deadly sins are that they're deadly but let us use this lenten season as a time of reparation for our sins in a time to really joyfully embrace the call of sanctity, the call to holiness that the Lord offers us. All of us need to simply say, from today on, I'm going to work to be holier, to avoid sin and temptation, and to pray the St. Michael prayer, to pray all the prayers, even the Our Father, we say, deliver us from evil. And so we need to make this Lenten season deeper and more spiritual than ever because we're living in a very dark time where people are fearful, but we know that Christ has conquered sin and death. He's conquered Satan. He's conquered all the power of evil, but we've got to embrace the power of good. We've got to make our own personal choice, and all of us who have responsibility urging others in our families or in our flock to do the same.
0: Well said, Bishop Strickland. I also mentioned I meet homosexual men who have left the church because they say to me, well, if, if it's not the lifestyle that I should be living, why isn't the church speaking out? And then I run into people who confirm me in my sin and I'm confused. See, that's what's happening here in Los Angeles, at least that I meet guys. So this is why reparation, atonement, expiation are needing to be said with our prayers. But remember, everybody, and I know some people get mad at me for saying this, but personal holiness, that's what you're called to. The universal call of the Second Vatican Council. So you be holy in spite of bad example. How do you do that? What Bishop Strickland is talking about, getting to confession, you know, pr- your prayer life. Uh, you know, This is incredibly important. Also, one more thing I want to plug for you, Bishop Strickland. I saw that the St. Philip Institute has something going on for... Lent. I think it's a Bible study, and that might be also something that people like to grab onto. How can people participate that from all over the world by, you know, participating? How how can they do that?
1: Yeah, our great um, Faith Formation Director, Dr. Luke Arredondo, wrote this um, for 47 days of reflecting on Scripture, a journey through Lent, or really through any time, but it's perfect for Lent. You can go to SaintPhilipInstitute.org and order one of these books. They're only $5, um, and it's a great way for people to enter into Lent in a really biblical, uh, Christ-centered way, because Bible is Christ, and Christ is Bible. Amen.
0: (laughs) Well said. I also want to recommend something that you mentioned about confession. We're going to give a quote from Dr. Scott Hahn when we come back, but if people want to pick up a free CD, a download of Scott Hahn's talk, on the hidden power of confession. I think we've distributed about 500,000 copies through Lighthouse. I'll give it away for free because I still have the rights to do that. And it would be a phone call, 877-526-2151. Ask for the download. More with Bishop Strickland when we come back, family. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Bishop Strickland did a tweet with Dr. Scott Hahn on the power of confession. And um, my people heard me say what I want to say. I do things (laughs) implicitly. And if you go to catholicrc.org, use the code STRICKLAND at the checkout, you get a free download of Scott Hahn's powerful talk, The Hidden Power of Confession. I might be underestimating, but I think we distributed over a half a million copies of that CD Back in the 90s and then it was, uh, you know, just a home run talk on confession. And I found it interesting, Bishop Strickland, because you uh, you stated in a tweet February 16th. A good confession is one of the finest ways to reverence the Eucharistic face of Jesus Christ. That sentence right there just got me. (laughs) I like that's cool. I like that. Let us humbly repent, confess our sins, make ready for our souls to welcome the king of kings into our hearts. Where he will nature us into his joy, light and grace. And then you put this quote from the St. Paul Center, which is Dr. Scott's Hans organization that I support. He says, "Scott says, "Nothing brings peace to a soul like a confession that's well-prepared, clear, concise, contrite and complete. If we hadn't been to confession in a while, and even if we have, we should make every effort to make the practice habitual. That's a Dr. Scott Hahn. Uh, Bishop Strickland, um, you just repeated, I mean, what Scott Hahn was saying earlier when you said, get the confession and repent and believe. But, you know, this has been a 2,000 year teaching of the Catholic faith that people need to repent of their sins. So you're really just echoing the fathers of the church. And I, I get a kick out of it because it's like, wow. What do you mean, wow? What else do you expect the bishop to say? Yeah. But, you, but you know what, Bishop Strickland? I have to say, it's not as common as I would like it to be.
1: Yeah, it does need to be. It needs to be commonplace. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. You
1: remind me of, of St. John Bosco, oh. yeah. who was a great saint who taught young boys, young men yeah. to be saints, mm-hmm. to be men of faith. Yes. And he said, he, He talks to the the young boys in the school that he had, but it really applies to all of us, boys and girls, men and women. Um, But he tells them to stay close to confession, to reverently receive the body and blood, soul and divinity of Christ in communion, and to pray um, in adoration, Mm -hmm. in of the Blessed Sacrament, of the presence of the face of Christ, the Eucharistic face of Christ. Those three things, those are Lenten practices that need to be universally embraced and adopted in every way possible. Um, One thing that struck me as we were talking, Mm -hmm. you know, we always talk about the Catechism, Mm -hmm. and we haven't mentioned a specific paragraph today but everything we're talking about is what the catechism says. That's right. And <clears throat> it occurs to me that people may... The faith is challenging. It's challenging to turn from sin. It's challenging to grow in holiness. And it's not something that is supported in the culture. The culture says, be entertained, get, get pleasure you know, just enjoy yourself. And the disciplines, that's why they're called spiritual exercises, it, it can be challenging. But what occurred to me as we were talking earlier, yes. is people need to recognize that everything we've talked about is the catechism. A lot of times people will tell me, oh, it's hard to read. It's It's too dense. It's it It isn't easy to read. No, it's not an easy read, but what occurred to me is i'll I'll give people a guarantee. okay? If you spend time with our Lord in Eucharistic adoration, you will find the Catechism easier to read. And if you read the Catechism, you'll find it easier to go to the Lord and spend some of your time with Him in Eucharistic adoration. They feed each other, just like I've said before to groups, praying the rosary and Eucharistic adoration feed each other also. If you find it difficult to pray your daily rosary, then go to the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. If you find it difficult to take the time and to really Give of your time to be in prayer before the Lord, in His Eucharistic presence. Then pray the Rosary. Again, they they feed each other, and we need to, we need to do that. We need to model it for each other, because really, Terry, <clears throat> for my life, for our lifetime, um, there's been a de-emphasis of sin. Yeah, and what the saints tell us is. What does Jesus say? What does Mary say? Repenting from sin is just the first step. So we live through a time where people are even told, don't worry about taking the first step. Yeah. It's, it's like, ah, oh, sin's no big deal. Sin is a huge deal because it incrementally and sometimes in mortally devastating ways separates us from God. But even the smallest sin moves us a little further from God than we should be. Growing in holiness and virtue moves us a little closer to God. So we've lived through a time and we're we're kind of seeing it all come to a, a sad fruition, a very corrupt fruit, but the fruit of our lifetime of turning from sin, of turning from god of ignoring sin and turning from God has gotten us where we are today with so many young people despairing and lost suicide rates are up people leaving the church in droves all the the rampant lack of supernatural faith yeah we've got to repent of sin and then continue to seek holiness that because what the church what the catechism teaches is not just repenting of sin, but it's that's just the beginning. Amen. That's getting things, that's sort of clearing the playing field so that we can begin building a life of virtue and of holiness. And that is what God has built us for. Yeah. So we've got a lot of work to do individually and as families, as a church, and as a culture. But the beautiful thing is, We talked about St. Peter Damien. The light of Christ that guided him is just as bright, just as wondrous, just as powerful as it was for St. Peter Damien or for St. Peter, the first Pope, St. Peter the Apostle, as we celebrate the chair of Peter. So in the first hundred years, the light of Christ was bright for the church. In the A thousand years ago, a thousand years after St. Peter the Apostle, St. Peter Damien, the light of Christ was bright and powerful. Here we are in the year 2022, and the light of Christ is just as bright and powerful as ever. We have to remember that it's the light of Christ that guides us. The light of this world may be flashy, may be temporary, bright, but they fade. The light of Christ doesn't fade.
0: Wow. I agree. A big amen to that. Bishop Strickland, one of the other things that I like about uh, your approach to sharing the gospel is you're not afraid to even talk to uh, our politicians about the gospel. I mean, I, I mean that because sometimes we, we want, oh, we can't get involved with, uh, it's it's politics to, 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 to not to start, try and stop abortion. We can, that's everybody. They got to do that on their, on their own. No. Um, you just tweeted something on, on for our legislators that you pray for our legislators, but that they will reject this bill that's coming up that seeks to codify the murder of unborn children. That's Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court decision. So you're telling people, speak up in every way you can for the voiceless unborn children whose lives are threatened by those legislators who do not value human life. Now, Bishop Strickland... I live in the state of California. My governor makes me really upset that he tells women in Texas we'll pay for your air flare to come to l a or come to California and we'll kill your baby for you. You yeah. see that's why we have to speak up. we should have we should be angry about this because what about that child? who's speaking up for that child? So your tweet is encouraging people like me and others to say no no, no, no. We have to put our faith into action, even at the voting booth.
1: Yes, absolutely. And certainly, my, I believe that ultimately, it's about changing hearts.
0: Yes, of course.
1: But the laws need to support the truth yep. so that hearts are encouraged to be changed. Right. Um, we need to pray for Governor uh, Newsom and for every politician who um, is is misled by the culture, by lack of faith, by ignoring the Word of God and the teaching of the faith. You know, some politicians claim to be Catholic. Others don't make that claim at all. But it's the same truth. And we need to pray for our politicians to embrace the truth and to... Establish laws that are about the truth, as the the left is concerned that Roe v. Wade, and it's certainly um, all parties. I mean, whatever party or whatever group people are a part of, the the left is pushing the uh, the right to abortion, uh, the right to murder these unborn children, and as the Roe v. Wade decision is contemplated. Most likely, it will be. We'll hear in June, yeah, June of this year yep. what the Supreme Court decides. So, sort of preempting that, the Senate has this bill to just bypass the Supreme Court and make it a law that you can murder your children, if uh, the unborn children, if you want. Um, and that's where we need to speak to our politicians and pray for them Amen. to see the truth.
0: Well said, Bishop Strickland. When we come back, I want everybody to open up that catechism Bishop Strickland talked about to paragraph 1621. It's about the celebration of marriage. We'll be back with more, family. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. For those who are brand new to our show, I just want to welcome you. I know that uh, some of you are picking up uh, the station because we were at the uh, issue, the big program that came out in California with all the truckers. They were inspired to do something similar to what they did in Canada. And so they're starting, uh, well, it'll be tomorrow. We're going to be there handing out cards for Virgin Most Powerful Radio So if you're listening now, I want to welcome you to the Bishop Strickland Hour. We're supporting those truckers because they want to be able to have a right not to get vaccinated uh, by COVID-19, and they're putting on their faith in the sense of their belief in the freedom of of religion and of a right. So they're taking a drive from California to Washington, D.C., and I publicly uh, support it through Virgin Most Powerful because uh, I think it's the right thing to do. So there you have it. Bishop Strickland, and I quoted, I'm quoting from the Catechism of the Catholic Church on marriage because last week where we took a quote, and it really did help. I had a lot of good feedback from it because we are having a uh, a marriage and family conference May 7th here at the chapel with Dr. Sandoval, my faithful bride Mary Danielle, and, and myself, and we are going to be taking the Catechism, the Bible, and Cardinal Seurat's book on marriage to inspire people to have stronger marriages. And that's what you do when you quote things. And I noticed, Bishop Strickland, I think it was last week, you said that you spent, I think, 13 or 14 years on the marriage tribunal, so you've had a lot of experience talking to couples. And uh, it's pretty obvious. So I want to give a quote from the catechism, and then if you can give a little commentary. But this is a meaty paragraph. It's, It's rather long, but, man, there's a lot of theology in it. It's paragraph 1621, the celebration of marriage. Catechism 1621 states, in the Latin rite, the celebration of marriage is between two Catholic faithfully, uh, normally takes place during Holy Mass because of the connection of all the sacraments with the Paschal Mystery of Christ. In the Eucharist, the memorial of the New Covenant is realized. New Covenant is which which Christ has united himself forever to the church, his beloved bride. Do you see the connection, folks? For whom he gave himself up. It is therefore fitting, here comes mom and dad, that the spouses should seal their consent to give themselves to each other through the offering of their own lives by uniting it to the offering of Christ for his church, made present in the Eucharistic sacrifice and by receiving the Holy Eucharist, so that communicating in the same body and the same blood of Christ, they may form but one body in Christ. That's a mouthful, Bishop Strickland, but that, that's very inspiring.
1: Well, it, it is beautiful, and it, <clears throat> it brings a lot together. Mm-hmm. What it reminds a married couple, or anyone who wants to live the love of, of God. God is love. Mm -hmm. It's about sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It's about what Christ does with his life. He Mm -hmm. is love incarnate and he acts on that by giving himself that we might be saved from our sins and from death. The beautiful thing about the connection of Eucharist Mm -hmm. and a married couple is that that sacrificial love. You've been married to your wife for many years and there, there are a lot of sacrifices that you've been called to make and that she's been called to make sometimes as simple as sacrificing what you'd rather do yep. with what's best for your spouse or for the children that have come along. That's, Wishing the good for the other, living the good for the other, yeah, is what Christ models us uh, as real love. And that's where marriage and the Eucharist, because the Eucharist is Christ. He's the Son of God. God is love. It all it, it basically has a logical progression. God is love. God has sent his Son. God's Son gave himself out of love, a sacrificial love, That's what, in our Catholic faith, we know that every Mass is a celebration of that tremendous act of self-giving love that Jesus Christ offers. It was a one-time, once-for-all sacrifice that we tap into at every Mass, not recreating his crucifixion, but tapping into the power that continues to radiate from that wondrous act of love of the son of god you as a married man and your wife as a married woman when you go to mass that's what you're called to do is to to offer your sacrifices and combine them to the sacrificial love of christ there's so many things like that that i'll just put it on myself i knew need to do a better job of making that connection yeah but the preparation of the gifts what's often called the offertory is not just about collecting money so we can pay the bills, and it's not about just giving symbolic things, but it's about that sacrificial connection. As a priest, you as a married man, your wife as a married woman, we all need to be spiritually putting our lives on that altar as well, joining our sacrificial love to the sacrificial love of Christ. And that's what that paragraph is talking about. And Terry, we could talk about it for hours I love because it. Yeah. it gets down to the very basics of everything we've talked about. Right. When you short circuit that love and you call something love that isn't really love at all, then you begin to do damage to that family, to the to the church and to the family of God's people, to all of civilization. And that's what we see unfolding, is when false love begins to be celebrated and not just allowed, but encouraged as if it were real love, it damages us because it's not the truth. And so your work as a married man, my work; as an ordained man, your wife's work; as a married woman, is that much more critical—to to pray, to seek holiness in ourselves, to make reparation for our sinful world, to, in a sense, we can say, put love, God's love back at the center of everything. And when that isn't the truth that we're living. We're living some false gospel where God's love is not even there, um, then we're we're hurting everyone. We're hurting ourselves. We were talking about making reparation earlier. Right. And you remind me in talking about marriage and the Eucharist, there's so many ways that blasphemies happen in in masses that are offered with a lack of reverence and and not just a lack of reverence, but a lack of remembering what the Mass is. Yep. It's all about Jesus Christ. Yep. I just saw something, uh, an image, a, a video clip just recently, where the priest blesses the people with a guitar.
0: Yeah, I saw that.
1: That is blasphemy. Yep. That's not something even to laugh at. That's something to weep at. Because what should be the most sacred focus on Christ for whatever reason, I don't even know where it happened, but this priest, it was video, so I presume it really happened, sadly. But this priest blesses the people with a guitar as if it were in the same way that a priest can and should bless the people, not at Mass, but at benediction with Christ himself in the monstrance. Man. It, is, it is a mockery that... We have to speak against out of love for that
0: priest,
1: out of love for every person that was there, out of love for anyone who saw that and doesn't recognize how blasphemous that is and how making a mockery of the sacred is the definition of blasphemy. And it harms us. It harms every person. Even seeing it is harmful. Hopefully it reminds us to be that much more reverent and, and hold sacred the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist and the whole meaning of the Mass. But those kinds of things we must speak against out of real love and encourage everyone to wake up to the blasphemous practices uh, that are really sweeping across our nation and across the world and even across the church
0: well said bishop strickland we're right at the end of the show so maybe we could ask you and i know you have, we will continue to pray for your priests for the priest retreat that's going on in tyler maybe uh, you could please give us a a blessing please almighty
1: god we ask your blessing for all of us your priestly people we pray in a special way for priests are burdened who are hurting some are wandering in darkness because they've been led into darkness by others we pray for priests to truly be priests of your son Jesus Christ his authentic priesthood is a priesthood of sacrifice of love of the truth and a priesthood of constant repentance reparation and atonement for sins in the world we celebrate the great priests of old and the great priests now who are living lives of repentance and reparation as, priestly, as priests guiding their priestly people away from sin and darkness. We pray for priests to be strong, to never despair, to look to the bright light of Christ to guide them. And we ask God's blessing for priests and the priestly people they serve. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Bishop Strickland, there's a prayer that the angel of Portugal taught in 1916 to the three children uh, before the Blessed Sacrament of Reparation. It said this, um, as the Blessed as the Blessed Sacrament, the angel was holding it up in front of the kids. says, Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly. I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world in reparation for the outrages, sacrilegious, and indifference by which he is offended and through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I beg the conversion of poor sinners. Now that was said over a hundred years ago, Bishop Strickland, and I got to think that that prayer needs to be said many times when we're at Mass or in church and we see craziness going on, lack of reverence, Get down on your knees, pray the prayer of the children were taught by the angel of Portugal to teach the children to make reparation. Remember, Our Lady said, Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. I hope I, Bishop Strickland, were all called to intercede for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for listening, and you can listen to all of Bishop Strickland's podcasts at go to vmpr.org. That's virgin. Mostpowerfulradio.org. Matter of fact, you can get all the shows there. Thanks again for joining us and may God richly bless you and your family. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests. O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love and the light of thy spirit and give power to the words of priests so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance. And return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of Thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests, For Thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin
1: Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.